0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views, and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis. With your host, Dave Inman.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We're in the uh, middle of midterm elections. That's definitely an important topic on the docket. We have, really, we have four different measures that we're looking at. We're, we've got Oregon ballot measure ninety-one. We have Alaska ballot measure two, both of which are for tax and regulate. We also have Washington D.C. Initiative seventy-one. Basically, it's it's kind of a legalization, kind of a, just a really full on decriminalization. And also, we have Florida Amendment Two, which effectively would be their miracle, medical marijuana initiative. Tonight, we have with us uh, Attorney Jeffrey Filer, uh, founder and CEO of Grassroots Ventures. Jeffrey, how are you today?
2: Very well. How are you today?
1: Like I said, you know, it's uh, the dawn of uh, of All Hallows Eve. We have uh, five days until our election. What, what can you tell us about uh, the, the Florida initiative and how important well, is that initiative for Florida?
2: Well, it's a little spooky and a little scary because nobody knows exactly how it's going to turn out. Right now, it's polling very, very close. And I think a lot is, depends upon uh, voter turnout as to whether it'll reach the 60 percent mark, which is – uh, what's required to pass the constitutional amendment at this point?
1: You know, constitutional amendments are are kind of interesting. I'm I'm in in Phoenix, and and for our uh, our medical bill, we actually had a, a voter initiative, and uh, that's a little bit different. It it seems like the further west you get, the the more the people can change rather than it go through a, the legislation. It, would that be a kind of a correct paraphrase?
2: Well, what happened in Florida? was uh, since 2012 the legislature has been presented uh, with various opportunities to legislate uh, medical marijuana legislation and the legislation has always died in committee none of the legislation basically ever came out or even had a chance to be voted on so finally the, the folks in florida decided that well if the legislature is not going to act on this important issue that the people need to act And the way that the people act in Florida in the absence of the legislature is to put a referendum on the ballot and try to uh, pass a constitutional amendment.
1: So you say it's a a slim margin so far. And in Arizona, we had had about 4,000 votes that separated ourselves from not having our medical bill. Early ballots. You guys have early ballots, I'd assume, in in Florida. Um,
2: Yes, we have early voting and absentee voting, um, absentee ballot voting, but nothing it has either been counted or, or, or made public in terms of uh, what is the, the count at this point.
1: One, the funny thing is that I found out uh, during uh, Prop 203 here is that the early ballots that are turned in on the day of election get counted last. And so a lot of us that it was our first year for those, those ballots, uh, the early ballots, I found that a large majority of us uh, that had signed up to get specifically those, turned them in late, probably to about the and a 4,000 votes. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, uh, if you do have early ballots, they're called early for a reason. <laughs> get them in the mail.
2: <laughs> right. The absentee ballots actually uh, were available up until uh, yesterday, Wednesday at 5 p.m. And uh, so there are still going to be absentee ballots coming in pretty much all the way up to the date of the election. But in addition to that, we have early voting, where we have basically in libraries and, and city halls and places like that, not the 800 precincts you know, that, that'll be open, but uh, there are just several places here and there. But voting is really easy. There's no lines. It's, it's very quick, and that's been going on since the 20th. But again, we're not going to see those results until election night.
1: So you were involved um, with uh, Colorado's uh, recent laws. Can can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Um, I'm an attorney licensed to practice both in Florida as well as Colorado, and I have an office in Boulder, Colorado. Back in 2009, when the federal government first came out with their Ogden Memorandum, which is the Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney General Holder's Instruction to the U.S. attorneys around the country that if folks were operating lawfully and there was a, it it lawfully in terms of state law and that there was a robust system of enforcement, that the federal government was not going to allocate law enforcement and prosecutorial assets to arrest and and prosecute folks. Um, At that point, Colorado, which already had a constitutional amendment since about 2001, at that juncture, the, the climate changed and, and Colorado um, essentially r- became ripe to forward the cannabis industry. And so doing, during 2010, House Bill 10-1284 in Colorado took essentially a one- or two-page constitutional amendment, fortified it with about 150 to 170 pages legislation, spelling out all of the rules that the state wanted folks to follow, and then also paving the way for the uh, local governments uh, to make their rules and regulations, and uh, the Department of Revenue to create the uh, marijuana enforcement division, and to create all their administrative rules, and thus the uh, the whole system began in Colorado.
1: So basically, made a, a framework for what you're, uh, what's really going to be happening as far as a constitutional amendment.
2: Right, and because Colorado started from a constitutional amendment, Florida, in, in many ways, when it wrote their constitutional amendment, took a lot of the, the ideas, the general basic ideas, out of the, of the Colorado constitutional amendment, or it, it looks you know, very similar in many ways, I should say. And, and for us, the constitutional amendment here in Florida would be the starting point um, that had been passed originally in Colorado. We fully expect that once the amendment passes, that there would either be rules and regulations by the Department of Health or during the legislative session, uh, which runs from March till May of 2015, but all within the six-month period that the initial rules and regulations are promulgated for down here.
1: You have a law office as well in in Boulder. Recently on Tuesday, there was a raid by uh, DEA and Denver police, and it appeared that uh, there was some uh, uh, cross-state line trafficking that was going on. Do you... Have you heard anything about that?
2: Well, not about that in particular, but but that really highlights continuing memorandums to the United States attorneys that have come out uh, consistently since 2009. For example, uh, the more recent memorandums have been called the Cole memorandums. And since 2013 and again in 2014, those memorandums set forth about eight different criteria that the federal government is not going to tolerate, and in those instances, um, it's likely that they would prosecute folks. I believe that the number one on that list is that you cannot um, traffic illegal uh, cannabis. You cannot uh, move cannabis across state lines. So, you know, in those instances, and they're few and far between because the vast majority of uh, licensed folks have worked so hard to get their licenses that they're not going to jeopardize them by doing something illegal. But occasionally, um, a licensed enterprise crosses the line. And when that happens, it's fair game and uh, task force uh, do sometimes step in.
1: Much like if a, a bar decided to open up to all ages.
2: That's right. Or for some reason, somehow was unlawfully shipping things or, you know, breaking the law in some way.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, that's a, an interesting point. You know, um, looking over uh, the Oregon uh, Measure 91 and uh, Alaska's Measure 2, they, they both had term non-commercial exchange. What would be your take on a non-commercial exchange?
2: In terms of Colorado or Florida... I have never contemplated anything like a non-commercial exchange. I mean, the only exchange might be in the context of one company, if let's suppose a growing operation uh, couldn't fulfill its obligations, they were able to uh, get a, pr- a certain percentage of their uh, product from another company, but that wouldn't even be an exchange. So uh, that that language is just not something that I've ever seen in Colorado, and I've not seen it in Florida.
1: Four different uh, really good measures. Just to to say them again, we've got uh, Oregon ballot measure uh, 91, uh, Alaska ballot measure two, Washington D.C. Uh, initiative 71, and Florida Florida's Amendment two for medical marijuana. Uh, earlier, um, I had mentioned uh, you're, you're also the founder and CEO of uh, Grassroots Ventures, uh, founded in 2013. What is uh, Grassroots Ventures?
2: Well, Grassroots Ventures basically is a combination uh, of two concepts one is entrepreneurial. Uh, involving uh, dispensaries and growing operations, extraction operations, and so forth, um, which would uh, be operate generally in the industry and the other side is uh, grassroots uh, for cure foundation, a nonprofit foundation, and essentially that uh, we would use uh, some of the money from from ventures. Um, to, uh, to operate the foundation and, uh, and in conjunction with some other foundations, such as I've spoken with folks from epilepsy and Parkinson's and cancer and so forth, um, really try to develop cannabis based, uh, medications and do, uh, whatever research can be done, because as you may know, the climate um, to do uh, scientific research presently on cannabis based medications is, is virtually impossible at this at this moment, so on the one hand, while we you know want to be entrepreneurial at the same time, uh, we firmly believe that the cannabis plant Um, of cannabinoids that are going to lead to uh, wonderful medications at some point in the future that we want to be part um, of that effort to make that happen.
1: So so 32 years, six months. Uh, You'll have to forgive me. I was poking around on your LinkedIn. 32 years, six months as an attorney and Mm -hmm. cannabis too now. Was it because of the medical benefits? Did you maybe have a a friend or family member that uh, you saw a change in? Personally, um, I've always been more of the the recreational type. Uh, A lot of people that seem to get off of prescription drugs, they they seem to be able to walk a little more upright, be able to to get themselves out of their fog. So what was it that brought you to cannabis?
2: You know, what happened for me so far as medical marijuana was concerned, in Colorado, back in 2009, when prospect of laws permitting medical marijuana, because remember what they now call retail and what everyone else calls recreational marijuana, was not a thought. So the question, yeah, you know, that sort of dawned on myself and, and my daughter, who had gotten her MBA and had moved to to Colorado, was you know a conversation having to do with medical marijuana and uh, and the realization it, truly as a as a medication as a remedy. That this was something that that could really help people, and uh, my daughter and I are both of the the type and of the mind that that was a very important thing. You know, she has been uh, involved and and has given away a great deal of medication to uh, folks who can't afford it. It's one of the uh, the tenants um, that come into the stores. Um, you know, we had a conversation at one point. You know, if we had we were going to open a store, where would we have a store? And it's like we didn't want one across the street from the university because that wasn't what medical marijuana was about. And if you look at the patients that, that go into the stores, a lot of times probably the average age is, 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 is mid-40. and Many of the patients are, are considerably older. So it, It's not so much about people just coming in to, to get weed and get high as those folks really, really needed medications and uh, the various strains really, truly were helping them. Um, That was our realization from the start, and that's something that
1: I'm carrying through to Florida. Beautiful thing that you're doing. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, medical versus recreational. Right back at you in a few, folks. Stay
0: tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave
1: Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, folks. I'm Dave Inman. Tonight we have with us attorney Jeffrey Filer, founder and CEO of Grassroots Ventures, as well as grassrootsforacure.com, a nonprofit organization we'll have him talk about here in just a minute. Medical versus recreational. How do you, how do you feel about the two?
2: We've seen in Colorado that two separate initiatives took place uh, several years apart. First one, which was medical in uh, June of 2010, and then this year, essentially, uh, January of 2014, that uh, the retail or what people call recreational marijuana came on in Colorado. And, you know, that was a choice uh, of the voters in Colorado. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, this country should be governed by the will of the people. And if the will of the people is such that that's what they wanted, they certainly should have and that's what they got. The reassuring thing is, is that we've heard no horror stories. Been, uh, the better part of a year now it has not turned into reefer madness
1: uh, it, it, uh... In
2: terms of things like domestic violence and so forth and so on, um, police officers tell me that you know if they come to the house and uh, and somebody's drunk, there's a pretty good chance that there's a domestic violence and somebody's getting arrested. But if they go to the house and they've been smoking pot. Uh, there's just no violence going on. It's not a drug that makes people violent.
1: Tell me, um, you know, looking over your, your website, it, it looks like you have a, a pretty extensive knowledge of cannabis in general, whether it be horticulture, the, uh, distribution, um, setting up franchises, uh, the strains, how they, how they can benefit you.
2: Well, I think the most important thing to understand is that the cannabis sativa L plant and the uh, the flowers and buds of which are considered marijuana and, and that's where the highest concentration of cannabinoids are is that it's essentially all about cannabinoids. There's approximately 80 different cannabinoids. There's hundreds of strains of, a, of Cannabis Sativa L. So in any one given strain, you're not going to have all the cannabinoids, but you're going to have them um, in, in different proportions to each other. Uh, some of the most prominent ones are going to be THC-A, which is the acid form of THC, which is not psychoactive. In other words, you could juice it, you could eat it, you're not going to get high. It cannot be um, CBV, CBN, and, and other forms of THC, THCV, and so forth. What ends up happening is that in some plants, and you've heard such terms as Charlotte's Web and Haley's Hope and, and others, that there's a synergy of the various cannabinoids in that particular plant, which creates something called an entourage. When it all, when the synergy comes together and forms the right entourage, then at that point, folks who are using it seem to discover across the board that it's helping them in, in some particular way. At that point, it, it's considered to be a medication. Um, and folks who have been working this uh, with this for a while, the various plant genetics, so as to try to increase the cbd or in, in, increase uh, some other cannabinoid or, or what have you some other portion of the plant that they hope would work and and the folks who are using it you know give feedback that it's getting better or getting worse so it's all it's really hit and miss and kind of feel it out right now but what we you know don't have is the opportunity to to do real research at this juncture so it's all sort of anecdotal. We know that it's working. we know that it's been working for six thousand years. Uh, you know in order to refine it to exactly what works is the next step.
1: What do you think the next step is going to be
2: well um the way that it'll it'll evolve that research will be done more anecdotally you know than anything else, but uh by ways that that don't violate the uh the the various f d a and uh, d e a and n i d a mandates. Nevertheless, patients will report, universities will do studies, And the larger, more scientific studies uh, will lead to certain, you know, if this country becomes enlightened and permits, you know, the real scientific studies with placebos and double blinds and thousand person studies and so forth and so on, you know, then it will move, you know, into an era where real cannabis medications be developed. But that's going to happen. And I believe that uh, it may take a few years to get there, but we're on the right track and we're moving that way.
1: Well, and essentially, if if uh, cannabis was moved into Schedule Two, for instance, right. all of those tests were very easy to to have done. You'd probably have you know doctors uh, over over at uh, Old Miss their uh, their uh, samples for them to be able to test. But really, that's the linchpin, isn't it? The the Schedule Two.
2: Well, right now in California, in the federal court, um, there's an evidentiary hearing going on, pretty much as we speak. There's a challenge as to uh, whether it's constitutional to consider marijuana to be. I've been following it, you know, intermittently, but basically uh, I'm seeing that uh, the evidence that seems to be coming in off the witness stand seems to pretty clearly indicate that cannabis has medicinal benefits, that it's ludicrous to consider it to be a schedule I substance by definition, which would have no medical benefit whatsoever. Cocaine, for example, is a schedule two substance because it's considered to have some medicinal benefits. And with 23 states and, and more on the way, Having medical marijuana laws in place, it's just an outdated, outmoded, and incorrect concept. To have it as a schedule one substance and it's I believe that at some point it's gonna change. I mean, I really applaud that judge
1: out in California, you know, taking a look at it. With uh, California's medical law. I mean it's it's almost like it's swept the nation in, in really a relatively short amount of time. I mean if we were to look at the scope and, and length and breadth of, of prohibition, specifically specifically cannabis prohibition, I mean alcohol prohibition I think only lasted what, thirteen years or something but uh you know cannabis prohibition uh it seems to have stood the test of time we can say anecdotally beneficial but but we all know that it that it is i mean we we know that wine can be uh a beneficial just you know a, a nice little glass at night to help you calm down if for no other reason. And we doctors find that beneficial for people all day long. However, you know, we we know that cannabis uh, benefits glaucoma. Cancer potentially has cancer fighting capabilities. Not to mention that there was a a prescription that was uh, established and University of Mississippi had been dishing it out for quite some time. Um, If anybody is familiar with the the patients out of time, there's a couple of uh, surviving members uh, still have that prescription. And uh, the government still sends them ten full of joints it's hypocritical at this point that we don't have and have had that it's just such a hypocritical stance that we can we can find ourselves in
2: yeah and you know nowadays uh, we're seeing a transformation taking place and uh, although at one point you would have people only smoking marijuana and thereby the cannabinoids particularly the thca once heated either set on fire or vaporized or baked um, transform into THC and would become psychoactive. So anybody who was trying to take advantage of the medication at the same time was having a psychoactive effect. But what we're finding now is that that there are a lot of low THC forms of the product um, and that that some of the synergies like the ones that we saw in Charlotte's Web and Haley's Hope, for example, have synergies that don't require anything psychoactive happening to the patient. And we're also, you know, finding that there's ratios at this point, uh, not necessarily very low THC, but, but having some THC is having a beneficial effect also. So, you know, bottom line is that to, to find those right entourages, um, some of the medications are going to involve THC and you know, other medications are, are not or have, or have low forms of it. Um, and we're going to see, I think, a lot less in terms of green bud medication. We're going to see more oils. We're going to see more tinctures. We're going to see more, more edibles, transdermal patches. Uh, we're seeing like Mary's Medicinals, for example, uh, transdermal patches. You know, If you go into dispensaries, um, medical marijuana dispensaries, and, and you look in their, in their cases and so forth, there's a great deal of products that have nothing to do um, with with smoking marijuana,
1: you know that's that's an interesting uh, point the, uh, the the smoking versus uh, just actually using it for uh, uh, medicinal. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we have uh, Attorney Jeffrey Filer here. Be uh, right back at you here shortly, folks.
0: Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis only on CannabisRadio.com. When we return. It's time to check in with Doc Robb and the Concierge for Better Living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob Only on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. Sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain. and Sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense, they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana... You can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at MPP.org or call 1 877 Join MPP.
0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines, welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, folks. I'm Dave Inman. Uh, with me today, we have Jeffrey Filer, founder and CEO of Grassroots Ventures and also Grassroots for a com. That is www.grassrootsforacure.com. Jeffrey, tell me um, currently what would be one of the, the biggest um, thoughts on your mind at this moment as you are venturing into. Potentially one of the most important votes for cannabis in Florida's history.
2: Well, I've been speaking with uh, some folks around these last few days, and uh, we've all been talking about the election. What I'm seeing is, is this misconception, and I think that uh, a product maybe of some of the, of the negative advertising, but a misconception that, that people think that the Senate Bill 10 um, means that we have a medical marijuana law already and that somehow this constitutional amendment is a recreational marijuana law and i say no 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 the the whole thing is medical marijuana we have um a uh, a very limited law in effect that you know is really designed uh, around uh, childhood intractable epilepsy and uh, and lhc but it's extremely limited to just that, and that we have a constitutional amendment that's purely medical marijuana that would, you know, basically uh, fill in the, uh, the the rest of the the folks out there who need the help. And this is not recreational marijuana. Um, and how these people have come to this misconception, I'm not really sure. Like I said, I think that it may just be some misinformation um, by the, uh, the the negative folks out there. That, that people feel that way. So, you know, I, I want to certainly make it clear that, uh, that Florida is not considering a recreational marijuana act. You know, there was a sheriff in a debate last week who, who basically said that if we pass a this law that people are going to be smoking marijuana out on the street corners, and you just don't see that in Colorado. It doesn't work that way. This is medication. Pick it up at a, a very highly regulated and licensed pharmacy. You take it home. And, uh, and you administrate it, and uh, this is not a recreational marijuana law.
1: So do you think that may be just due to social media?
2: Well, I don't know whether it's uh, social media or, or television media. You know, uh, it's an imperfect uh, world of communication. There was one editorial um, in a newspaper the other day that just the way that the, that the sentence was written led some people, including prominent people, to proclaim that the, that the amendment had already passed. And it's like, what do you mean the amendment? <laughs> Again, I, I meet people on the street and they said, well, you know, I read in the newspaper the amendment had passed. And it's like, how could the amendment have passed? The election is not until next Tuesday you know so you know I, I think that you know it's a matter of communication and miscommunication but you know for the purpose of you know what i'm conveying here you know i'd like it to be clear that uh, the constitutional amendment is not a recreational marijuana law it's a medical marijuana law And the existing legislation, the Senate Bill 1030, which is uh, under its – there's been lawsuits filed against it. It, It's in the administrative court system. Even if they were to get their act together with with that legislation, it would be extraordinarily limited legislation. Uh, And it's just not enough. I mean, it certainly shouldn't make people think that we have a a comprehensive medical marijuana law, one little baby step of a law. L- and, let, me uh, L- let me ask you this. The constitutional amendment is the rest.
1: Let me ask you this. Say that there's been a, a negative effect to, to where voters won't go out and vote?
2: Well, I, I think that some of the folks who, who are undecided on the issue, who, who don't are not educated about what it's all about, only have limited information, um, who are going into the polls thinking that if they were to vote for this, that they'd be voting for recreational marijuana, and that's something they're not ready for they might vote no for it for for all the wrong reasons. Um, what about you know, if, if, they,
1: if, if the, the, the medical isn't good enough? Like, are you having any kind of uh, scenarios like that? Like, I know here um, we have a, a few different uh, avenues that we're looking at. Uh, one is potentially through legislation. Another one will be through another citizen's initiative. And uh, essentially, there's people that they simply will not vote if you, for instance, don't have grow rights. Are you seeing any kind of a backlash because it simply isn't uh, full tax and regulate?
2: Well, no. Um, You know, the constitutional amendment calls for these medical marijuana treatment centers and the medical marijuana treatment centers, uh, by definition, are permitted dispense as well as cultivate as well as uh, um, food, tinctures, uh, oils, and things of that nature. So I believe, uh, if the amendments were to pass, that what's going to happen is a, uh, a fully capitalistic uh, system. There's nothing in here that calls for a not-for-profit system. I believe that stores and growing operations and extracting operations and so forth um, be permitted and, and will occur in Florida.
1: And hopefully, they do it in a, in a uh, reputable manner and they, uh, they do stuff that, that promotes and, and promulgates safe use. We're just about out of time. Jeff, I really want to thank you for your time tonight. Um, anything you'd like to, to say?
2: Well, thank you. Well, just to segue off of the last thing that was said, and that is anything that our company does in terms of a retail operation is going to be a top quality retail operation. Staff <clears throat> who are fully educated, and who are in a position to to educate to to the best of knowledge that's out there uh, to the extent that we're involved in any type of cultivation operations. It's going to be organic medication uh, with no pesticides and with uh, all of the right systems because what's being delivered here is is medication to the uh, foundation that we can put something back into our community by helping people. The whole thing is, is supposed to be symbiotic in the sense that we want to have good quality of everything across the board and, uh, and also
1: benefit the community in the process. It's crazy. You know, I, I always hear such negative things about lawyers. <laughs> 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 Thank you, uh, Jeff, for everything that you do, that you're doing, and that you're about to do. Uh, Again, everybody, that uh, is grassrootsforacure.com. Or if you just need a really good lawyer in Florida um, or or Colorado, uh, Attorney Jeffrey Filer. That uh, brings us to a conclusion of another edition of The State of Cannabis. Have a happy and safe Halloween, folks. I'm your host, Dave Inman. Have a wonderful night.